Hello, beautiful potty listeners out there. How are you? I am recording this on Wednesday. Uh, So this is Mercury's day. So great time to be communicating and sharing all of the things. So I'm jumping in here to share a little bit about uh, really the full moon that's coming up because that's pretty rad. Um, A real, you know, I really tuned into this full moon as a real closing of a Venusian cycle in a very different way than, you you know, typical astrologers would see some sort of Venus cycle or moon cycle because, you know, I am the astrology rogue, darlings. I do things and feel things in a very different way. I embody astrology in a very different way. So uh, my my channels are usually, uh, can somewhat be a little bit different to traditional stuff. But, you know, that's what happens when you have Lilith in your first house and Pluto in your first house. I've been doing so much around the Pluto-Lilith stuff um of late and yeah it's fucking wild shit anyway let's just um let's dive into a little bit of what's going on and of course you know of course you know the Jupiter Neptune conjunction we've been banging on about this for ages um because yes it's it's you know it's a predominantly huge transit that we will never see again in our lives but the thing is is that and very interestingly enough um, if you follow me on Tiani Talks Instagram, I will be going live uh, tomorrow, Thursday morning, um, around 9.15 Brisbane, Australia time, whatever Australia time is, well, it's Brisbane here, um, with a colleague of mine, Amber, from the Cosmic Playground, because uh, there's just so much um, crap um and astrology hype especially from non-astrologers like that's what I find very interesting like people who have never been into astrology using astrology as a step up or a leg up to market a program to sell something I mean it's toxic I get messages all the time of how gross it is I agree so does Amber so does a lot of other astrologers who have been in this work for decades and you know me and Amber thought that it'd be nice to talk about these sorts of conjunctions where people are sort of expecting miracles and like I'm going to grow wings and fly away into the sunset with all the abundance and all the magic it's just like mm, not reality darlings and because I'm also deeply steeped in women who run with wolves at the moment I'm really seeing so much of this naive maiden energy around. It's very scattered. It's very starry eyed. And really interestingly enough, we all go through that, of course. Um, And some are just initiated into what I definitely call more of a crone wisdom, not based on age, um, a lot earlier in our lives. Whereas some, you know, based on age, women are still very much maiden, naive, you know, starry eyed. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being idealistic. Um, I just find it very fascinating that, you know, it can come with these sorts of transits. So Neptune, Jupiter, you know, we are saying, oh, it's miraculous and it's abundant and it's super spiritual. Absolutely. Like no astrologer will deny that. But also steeps other things like the cycles of when it happened last time, what was going on then. You know, I'm not a huge historian. I do look at certain things. So you can go back to the 1800s and see what was going on there. Um, There were fascinating things like um, I think Jung was born the year that this happened. Freud even maybe. Don't quote me. I've got it written down in another book. That book's not in front of me. Um, I shared this in my Jupiter-Neptune conjunction class, which of course I wanted to do because I wanted to share the, the truth, which is Jupiter. Jupiter is the planet of truth. And all of our truths are subjective. Let's be honest. Like my way is not the fucking right way and neither is yours. You know, there's there's many different paths to the peak. Okay. And for me, none of them are right or wrong. So when, especially us astrologers who have been in this work, you know, and we dedicate our lives to this work, when we are calling out or just bringing some truth to the illusions, it's not to call out in a way of dismantling or dismembering someone, right? It's just the calling out of, hey, let's actually get to the crux of the truth. And I remember, you know, even in my early 20s, um, you know, feeling much more idealistic around spirituality and things like this. And, and, and absolutely, I think we've all got to go through that initiation, Um, I think it's just a part of it. Some people stay in it for 20 years and that's cool too, because guess what? That's their journey. That's their chart. That's actually what's going on for them. So there's no ever, never, never, never any judgment because I think that 
when you understand astrology and you understand people, there's this level of acceptance. And that's what I love about astrology the most. Whilst I might share things or highlight things or call things out, it's not it's not a personal thing. It's because I accept that everyone is here to master their own journey. And for some people, I think I've even spoken about this in one of the last podcasts of like a couple of weeks ago that I did um, around, you know, not everyone's here to be enlightened. Not everyone's here to find their twin soulmate flame, blah, blah, blah. Like we're not all here for the same pers- purpose. And astrology really is the root anchor and foundation in so much of that because we can see so much of what's going to be activated, say, in my chart right now with the transit might be activated for someone very similarly in their 90s. But hey, look at that. We're having a once in a lifetime transit for someone else. It's happening when they're older. And for me, it's happening when I'm you know, younger than them. And for someone else, it's happening for them when they're like four. OK, so this can be spoken to of like, say, um, the say Pluto right now. OK, so if you've got planets in Cancer, Let's just talk about where Pluto is now. Okay, so Pluto is um, 26, 27 and 28 degrees of Capricorn. Okay, now if you have cancer placements at 26, 27 or 28 degrees of cancer, Pluto is making this opposition. Okay, now I have my moon here. I'm having a Pluto opposite moon. I know one of my other dearest, dearest darling friends and astrologers and mentors, Babula. She also has an exact, we both have the exact same moon at 27 cancer. We're both experiencing Pluto opposite the moon. Now, we will both only ever experience this once. Some people in their lives will never experience this transit, okay, especially if you're born with a Pluto um, conjunctual moon. You will never have Pluto opposite your moon. I mean, my God, you've got Pluto conjunctual moon, Natalie. Like, it doesn't happen like that. So the thing is, is that I'm 40 and Babula's 70. So we are going through a very, the same transit, but at very different ages and very different times in our lives. Yeah. And for someone else, it could be this could be a four year old right now who also has their moon at 27 degrees of cancer. So they're going through this Pluto opposite moon as well. Now, we can see that this is why astrology is so incredibly unique to your own birth chart and your own experience here. So that's what I'm saying. It's never this like, oh, this is, you know, this is wrong or right. It just is. You know, that's how I see it. Like I'm sort of like everything means something and everything means nothing. Like that's where I go with this because for me, there is magic in absolutely everything. And then some things are just some things, right? Like, you know, and for example, like some really hilarious things, just to give you like a little bit of a chuckle on your way home from work today, just come into Tiani's Comedy Act and let me hear, let me tell you some of the things that I've been asked over my time. Uh, one of them was uh, my kid picked up my crystal and broke my crystal. What does that mean? You know what it means? Keep your kid away from the crystals. Fucking simple, right? So bleedingly obvious. I have literally not even with like exaggeration had someone ask me, do I know a medium? And I was like, no, because I don't work in that. So, I mean, we're all psychic. You know, I can talk to my dad because I can talk to my dad on the other side because my channels are open. Okay. And I'm in alignment. Okay. So I don't need someone outside of myself to connect me to the universal magic. I'm, I, I've worked on myself enough and done a very different school of work than what a lot of other people do by insourcing, not outsourcing. Okay. So when she messaged me and I just said, no, because I don't, you know, I don't recommend, I don't recommend that sort of stuff. And B, I would never recommend someone I'd never seen either. So I'm like, no, sorry, I don't look, this is a long time ago too. This is like 10 years ago or five years ago or something. Anyway, time is fucking, you know, elusive. I've got no idea when it was, but it was a while ago. So she's like, oh, because I need to find out if I'm pregnant. And I'm like, uh, a doctor and a blood test. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe that I didn't expect you to say that. I'm like, why would you need a medium or a psychic to find out if you're pregnant? Guess what? Pee on a fucking stick or go to the fucking doctor for a blood test. Like to me, that's where that sort of stuff, I'm just like, get a grip on reality, my friend, get a grip on reality. And I'm going to circle this all the way back to this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. I literally, and if you've seen my Instagram stories, you will see someone, literally someone wrote like, I'm here. It's the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Nothing's happened. Nothing good's happened. I'm still waiting. And I was like, my, I actually replied to that person and said, um, you know, you're saying nothing special happened. Life is special. And if you are waiting for something to happen at one of these activations or conjunctions, you've missed the point. Okay. So this is where I'm sort of going with, um, 
you know, and especially because I sort of dove really into uh, women who run with wolves, uh, you know, at, at this same time, I really could see the construct of this naive maiden who doesn't trust their instincts or who is waiting for that savior who will go outside of themselves, you know, or repeat patterns, right? Whereas the crone, all that really, and, you know, I really actually really sort of connect it to Lilith too. Like if you've got a strong Lilith archetype that you have stayed sovereign to um, and it's healthy and it's balanced and it's not an angry Lilith, but we all, especially women, we will all go through the Lilith archetypes, which can be, you know, the real trusting, then the rage and then the complete sovereignty, which, you know, it's it hierarchies fucking humanness on some level. That's how I feel. So the thing is, is that with these sorts of conjunctions, like this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, you know, people were waiting for something, you know, um, and, and like I've shared the whole time, you know, it's, a, it's, it's actually a 10 day exact conjunction. Like, like I said, it was exact to the, to the um, quantum minute here in, in Australia anyway, in Brisbane or, or the east side here for under two hours in the middle of the night. Like I literally was up, took a photo and went, hey, it's 11.58. I'm sitting here, just finished watching. Yeah, I will tell you what I watched because it's so fucking Jupiter Neptune. Um, just finished watching this on Netflix and I haven't gotten wings. I'm tired. Good night. You know what I mean? Like reality is the magic, right? Reality is the magic. Now, Ram Das has that incredible movie. I think it's called like Becoming Nobody. Fuck, I loved it. I mean, I loved it purely because I feel like I live like that already and I didn't have to initiate myself through spirituality um, in a real false sense of light. Yes, of course, at the beginning we do sort of idealise and then, you know, for me, the, you know, the, the, the slam down to um, the underworld happened very quickly. But I've got Pluto and Lilith both in my first house, you know, a stellium in my eighth, planets in my twelfth. So, you know, like it, it, it's it's a very short amount of time that I, I, I waded in those waters, right? But the thing is, is that the movie is extraordinary if, especially if you're still struggling with accepting ordinary or wanting to become someone. Becoming nobody seems like it's certainly not happening with a lot of the younger generation. And even those, you know, even those, these sort of younger um, people in the spiritual entertainment industry, you know, um, so it, it's this same sort of thing with this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Absolutely it's, it's, this is a longer cycle and it's when everyone sort of arced up when Jupiter and um, Saturn conjunct at zero degrees of Aquarius, everyone did the same thing. Oh, we're in Aquarius era, Aquarius, fucking the age of Aquarius and all this shit. And it's like, mm, no, darlings, like two, two outer planets when they come together, it is quite remarkable. And the ripple effect of that can take years, you know, can absolutely take years. And that's the whole reason I did my, my masterclass on this was because like, let's look at the reality of like the planets and what, what's going on with them and what can happen with their conjunction. But where is it happening in your chart? And where can that sort of ripple out for you? So for me, I'm calling this like a, a really big spiritual reset. And if you are forcing something, so I have also said that this conjunction isn't about what you're doing, but who you're being. Yeah. So it's, so it's not about what you did on the 12th, the 12th, the 12th. Everyone was so caught up on the 12th. I'm like, Hey, what are you doing on the fucking 11th? You know, the 10th was a master number day. Like, what did you do that day? Like everyone's missing the point because they're so focused because of the pop astrology culture. And even a lot of astrologers sort of missing the point because they've probably maybe just be, you know, they're, their their goal is they got into astrology a couple of years ago when it became popular now they want to make money of it and i i yeah you know i've i've been around my darlings I, we we see this and this is exactly what me and amber sort of want to speak to is using using astrology out of integrity and out of alignment to up your own business um or to even speak of it without even knowing where it is in your own chart you know a lot of people do that as well like they sort of just again jump on the bandwagon I remember years ago I was nearly actually scared to be honest because you know I've got a stellium in Libra I am a bit of a peacekeeper and I do consider myself whilst I'm no bullshit I'm still diplomatic I'm not just a fucking asshole like I mean I can be don't get me wrong as we all can be my shadow is a shadow 
just like any other human. But the thing is, is that really in, in being really honest, you know, I don't, I'm not here to confront or to be that person who wants to polarize, you know, some of these influences and it's all about the polarization and I'm going to say all these things to fucking be trending, you know, like I'm not into that sort of shit, you know, I'm about, I'm just going to show up authentically and be who I am. And to me, I win and I succeed when I do that. I don't need to be or do anything other than be who I am and I win. But years ago, I sort of, you know, I, I would say in my closed circles or people who would come and work with me or in my groups or in my, you know, containers, all these sorts of things, of course, like they're paying me to sort of work with me and I would, you know, be all of me. Um, not that I'm not online at all ever, but I think you're going to, you know, you're getting what I'm saying here is that I didn't want to polarize by saying, if you're just sort of banging on about the eclipse and you don't know where it is in your chart, you're just jumping on a fucking bandwagon. Like I've been saying that for a long time, but I've only just recently started coming out and saying it, you know, and this is what happens when we hit midlife and we start to have some of these more um, potent transits. You know, we have midlife transits, darlings, and I will absolutely do a little talk on on those because pretty much from late 30s to mid 40s, there are big things which I love that society has deemed as midlife crisis. This is your midlife crisis, you know, where the, the husband has the affair um, or the woman has the affair or they, you know, sell the house or they quit the job or they want to travel Australia or they, you know, their children move out. So they're left with not knowing who they are, depending on your age and depending on your kids and stuff like that. Or, you know, it's midlife is, as Brene Brown puts it, you know, where the universe puts puts her hands on your shoulders and shakes you. It's sort of just like, this is your moment. This is your time. And that's where experience, you know, trumps knowledge. You know, thank you, Henry Rollins. You know, he's like, you know, it's without, you know, he says something like, um, I I usually know this fucking quote verbatim, but I don't today because I'm rambling on. Um, But he's just like, oh yeah, he's like, um, knowledge without experience is bullshit like and you're just like exactly like reading knowledge you know even schooling all those sorts of things without actual experience or embodiment just it's bullshit right it's just bullshit like it doesn't it it, that you need experience but in saying that like I said earlier you know there are still very naive maiden women out there repeating cycles maybe with partners things like this like you know read women who run with wolves look fuck I'm like you know, an eighth of the way in it. I've had the book for 20 years, but um, I'm really committed to reading it from front to back this year. I've, you know, flicked through it over those years and it sat in my bookshelf, but, you know, it howled to me and it howled to my bones. And and now I know why, because, because of my own experiences in life. And, you know, like I said, I think that some women, despite their age, can still be in maiden and, you know, in, in one of my containers, we do do a whole month where we're talking about archetypes and, you know, there is that healthy maiden mother crone, you know, we look at that. And again, I don't, I don't think that it's an age thing specifically. Um, however, you know, yes, with age, we get these midlife crisis transits. So until we get you know, to a certain age, we're not going to experience Pluto square Pluto. Okay. Now Pluto square Pluto for me happened when I think I was like 35 or something for other people, it might be 38 for other people, it might be 41. Okay. So, so again, there's sort of a varying age depending on, you know, cause Pluto moves at a different speed in each sign. Um, so, you know, so anyway, it's the same with Saturn return, you know, like I, I wrote it in my book with the, oh, darling, you know, like darling, darling, like, you know, I can't hear a word you're saying because I'm watching what you're doing, you know, that sort of shit. But it's like the darling, like, I'm not going to go and see a life coach who's under 28 to start with. Like, I mean, I wouldn't see a life coach anyway, but, but the thing is, is if I was, trust me, you would want to have some life experience, not just sort of have gone and looked at some books and shit. Right. Um, so until you've had your Saturn return, you haven't really had a karmic initiation in your life. For some people before they turn 28, they've, you know, by the time I was 28, you know, I had a fucking child. I was pregnant at 16. So we do have our own different initiations. So I went from mother to maiden at a very early age, whereas I know some women who are mother to maiden at their 40 or they're 35, you know, so they're only experiencing that initiation then. So their Saturn return could have been a real pivotal point for them. But for me, you know, I had a karmic initiation at 16, as would other people who have had a very Plutonian life. And that means that Pluto has hit a lot of their planets in their life. Okay. Again, this is all like 
wonderful things to know if you're aware of your own chart. So we do have our own initiations, our own karmic initiations. But once we get to midlife, we have these midlife crisis. You know, we have these midlife transit points. Crisis, it's cathartic. Uh, it is a time where things become, you know, you know, things become for some people more real. Uh, they, you know, leave their partners because they're unhappy. Um, you know, we see we see the the ground start to shake, and a lot of the the sort of the real, you know, midlife crisis point, which often happens around, you know, forty two ish depending is this Uranus opposition. So Uranus in the sky when we're all around 40-ish, 42, 43, is opposite our own natal Uranus. It's taken that long because Uranus takes 84 years to go through all 12 signs. So at around that 42 mark, he's halfway through his journey from your perspective in your chart and for all of us because we all turn 42 at some point um, if we're fucking blessed and lucky, right? So the thing is, is that's where you see, you know, the, the affairs, the drama, the breaking down of what's not working in their lives, especially if they've built a life based on lies, based on, um, you know, just only tending to the children. You know, I mean, look, you can go on and on. Just take a look around. It's society. Like we, we see what happens for so many marriages at around that age, right? Um, and then where do they go from there? Well, that's up to them with the decision that they make, you know. So the thing is, is that this, you know, again, circling all the way back, we're looking at this, this more real, raw, blood dripping, fucking like heart aching, heart wrenching, truth telling magic that is, that happens that not everyone really wants to dive into because they're more of the maiden. Even if they've had children, they can stay in the maiden energy, right? And that is the very Jupiter-Neptune sort of things. Like, oh, no, it's like fantasy land and magical dust and, you know, every, you know, I'm just going to only ever see the, um, the, the lies, okay, the rose-coloured glasses, okay? And with Jupiter and Neptune in Pisces, I mean, Pisces epitomizes the rose-colored glasses, you know, not wanting to see the truth because it's too harsh and that's just a part of the Pisces archetype. So the thing is, is that we know, okay, we know that, well, I hope you know, and I hope that after me rambling for 20 minutes, you know that a conjunction in the sky, no matter how rare and magical and spiritual it is, doesn't mean you're going to just descend in that moment, doesn't mean that all of a sudden your whole life will change just because two planets come together. If it's taken them 165 years to come together, like, again, you're not planting the seed and getting the fruit the next day. Like, this is a time of germination. This is a time of fertile ground. And like I said, these 10 days, you know, and, and like I said, all the way through till May the 10th, you know, whilst Jupiter stays in Pisces until May the 10th before he moves into Aries, we really are just sort of in the juice of the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. But as I have, you know, continued to remind you, right up until the 17th, they're still at the same degree, 23 and 24 degrees of Pisces. So this is this long standing, like, how are you being in that time? Are you forcing things or are you just in receptivity? Because this isn't about getting what you want. It's about getting what you are. Thank you, Father Wayne Dyer. Like, and that was one of his quotes that, you know, in my 20s, I read and was like, this is so the truth. You don't get what you want. You get what you are. And so the thing with this conjunction, which is still going on, of course, this week, is to just relax, <laughs> fucking relax. Don't think that this miraculous, oh, you know, it's, it's boring. Like it's boring to think that a conjunction that happens for a couple, not even a couple of hours exactly, is just going to change your life. What you want to do is change your life by your habits, by your routines. Yeah. What you do now is creating your future. So for me, this is a great big spiritual reset and it's really tuned me into what I'm doing every day. And so what I've been doing is learning astrology, meditating more, being more present, trusting my sensitivities, allowing my tears to come, focusing on my dreams. You know, I've been doing some other things, right? I've been doing things that, you know what, six months ago, I wasn't doing as much. To be completely honest, I wasn't, you know, I'm not someone who 
you know, feels like, because again, meditation for me is daily, it's movement. It's, it's not just specific that I need to go somewhere and do it. However, look at what sort of unfolded for me organically. I didn't go, oh, it just, I just woke up and went, oh, I'm just going to go and sit in the sun and do a little bit, bit of a sun medi. You know, that's what I've just been doing, right? Um, I'm on, you know, incredible liquid crystals at the moment that I've been on since the Aries new moon. And like I said, that Aries new moon really shifted something for me. Um, and so I'm on the liquid crystals of sulfur, which is, which is fucking, you know, the lion, Ra, and gold, which is, you know, very much, again, the sun. They're both very gold energies, radiant Ra light energies. So I've been, you know, I've been working with this, with this little duo, um, Anyway, anyway, so what, what I'm saying is like this is about focusing on, you know, receiving and allowing whatever needs to be imprinted and landed on you to go in with that flow, without the force. Because, you know, you're going to see these people, oh, I need to do this and I need to do that and I'm going to push this and I'm going to force myself to this and blah, 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 blah. Like that's not necessary in a transit like this. This is seeding a bigger cycle. This is seeding that something deeper than you can even put your fingers on. Pisces is what's felt, not what's thought. Jupiter and Neptune coming together is, you know, is seeding something that it's about your imagination. And what I noticed when I was doing some of my journaling around, around this, um, because if you've got my 2022 kit, you will notice there's a big in, in April's, um, in April's month, monthly thing. Um, I have put a big thing like notice the synchronicities, pay attention to your dreams, what little things are happening. Now, for me, on the exact time of the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, by the minute, blah, 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 I was watching this Netflix uh, show called The In-Between. <laughs> you fucking can't make this shit up. Like, it's wild. And it is literally about that in-between space from when you die and when you're still there and signs and secret, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, it, it's awesome. I mean, I, you know, obviously I've, my father's passed over and I've been around death um, for, for a lot of my life um, and experienced it firsthand. But yeah, you know, I understand um, the other worlds and I understand the in-between and I understand the transition. But it was just interesting that I'd wanted to watch it for a little while and then last night I just got some space to myself so I watched it. And of course I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, oh, this is so Jupiter Neptune. For me, that's the divine synchronicity. It doesn't need to be bigger than that because it's big enough. And it's the same with my dreams. My dreams and my intuition, just all of those things have just been banging. And that to me is enough. You know, the problem with this spiritual hyped up entertainment industry or even, you know, even just the hyped up pop astrology you know, for these sort of more fraudulent astrologers out there sharing all of this misinformation is that they're going to prime you for something fucking divine. And whilst I'm not saying that couldn't happen because I like to prime for the divine too, don't get me wrong, but I'm also very, very grounded and I'm also rooted in reality and I love being rooted in reality and you know and and I accept my humanness. I love my humanness and for a couple of years at the beginning of my journey, when I was, you know, 18 years old, I did want to try and bypass that humanness because I thought that's what you had to do to be spiritual. And yes, we all go through that. Um, and it's how long we we stay in that. And again, I think it comes down to that naivety, the maiden, you know, what's going on in your chart, um, you know, the transits that are happening in your chart, your divine makeup, your divine blueprint, all of the things. So there's no, again, right or wrong. You're not, get, you're never getting it wrong. When people are like, oh, you know, should I do this or should I do that? I'm like, either decision will be the right decision, right? Like that's the thing, either path, you go left or you go right, it is right. It is always right. And that's how I've always lived my life. Uh, it's not about making a wrong decision because it would have been, you know, it will show up in the chart that, oh, you decided to leave that job, which caused, I don't know, homelessness or something. So even in the most perceived tragic event, there would have been something that was going to happen because there was a choice there. Sometimes it's not a choice and that's a part of the cycle as well. Okay. Cause I don't want to white privilege fucking this sort of shit and go, Oh no, we're all just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you know, you, you get what you deserve and all this sort of stuff. It's like, well, no, you do get what you are, but you all, we also have divine contracts here. Anyway, I'm going to stop there because I'm just going to keep like going deeper into this. So ultimately, no need to force anything with this big, beautiful spiritual reset. We also have Mercury who has entered Taurus this week. So 
Um, he, Mercury's moving very, very quickly now. So pretty much in April, we've had Mercury uh, in Aries, which is very fast communication, you know, like think before you, uh, you uh, speak before you think sort of stuff. Um, and then Mercury has moved into Taurus this week, uh, which slows everything right down. I mean, Aries and Taurus couldn't be more polar opposite. And then on the 30th, Mercury moves into his home sign, his domicile, where he is happiest uh, on uh, into Gemini. Okay. And then in May, he will actually retrograde Gemini back through to Taurus. And I'm going to talk a lot about that because that's a really interesting retrograde, um, so much of the, the Mercury, well, actually all of the Mercury retrogrades this year, pinpoint an ecliptic point, uh, pinpoint Algol, which is Medusa's head, which is a fixed star. And, you know, just sort of sidetracking there, um, we are about to move into eclipse season. Okay. So if you want to work with these eclipse, I have a nodal masterclass. So you can jump onto my website, tiani.com.au and that nodal masterclass, it's only $29.95. It's like two banging hours full of juice around this next 18 month cycle of Taurus and Scorpio. Okay. So the Taurus and Scorpio eclipses. Now I talk a lot in that, in that masterclass. I show you, you know, I go through where it's going to happen for you in your own chart. And I talk about these other sort of more profound points. And that's where this Algol point of 26 Taurus gets activated. So this first Mercury retro, well, it's the second Mercury retrograde of the year, but the first one that sort of, you know, it's, it's in eclipse season and it's going to hit this point, even though the first one um, also, because they're all ending uh, in earth signs. Um, so either conjunct or making a trine to this 26 degree Taurus point. So it's, it's a pretty fascinating Mercury retrograde that we're going to be having. I'm having, I'm very fascinated because I have a 26 degree, uh, Venus in my chart. And of course, we're always very interested when something's really going to directly affect us in our own charts, right? I think that it's important to understand the micro for you to then work with the bigger cycle and the bigger picture. Okay. So, yeah, if you're wanting to really work with these uh, with these eclipses and understand, especially if you're heavy Venus ruled, um, you know, that's Taurus or Libra rising, Taurus or Libra sun, moon, um, lots of planets in Taurus, lots of planets in Libra. I mean, this is a good time. But to me, everyone would benefit from uh, grabbing that masterclass um, because we're just about to move into eclipse season. Um, and if you are following me on Instagram, you'll also see that I have actually co-collabed a beautiful um, candle because we don't ritual on eclipses. You know, the, the, the eclipse is the ritual itself. So I've actually um, uh, written up a whole big thing around uh, these candles. I chose crystals to go in all of them specifically for these eclipses. And my beautiful friend Beck from The Grounded Rebel um, she's selling them on her website. They're limited, they're bespoke, they're big, they're gorgeous. But yeah, again, you can find that on Tiani Talks um, Instagram or even on her Instagram, The Grounded Rebel, which is where you'd go and purchase them. So I think she's only got like six or seven left on all of them. I've got, we made two up. And so these are actually to support you during the eclipse season. So it's not about lighting them to make a ritual, anything like that. It's actually these candles are to be worked with for the full two week eclipse sandwich. Anyway, all of the information's all over um, socials and you can go and have fun finding that. So it's very interesting that we're going to, you know, this full moon that we're about to have um, on the 17th, which is, um, you know, just a few days away in Libra at 26 degrees. Again, there's that 26 degree point. Libra and Taurus are what's called quincunx. They have nothing in common, not an element and not a quality. So Taurus is fixed earth and Libra is um, cardinal air. Okay. So again, that fixed point of Algol will be activated. And then next month um, with the Mercury retrograde, uh, Mercury does station direct um, on that fixed star of Algol. Very, very fascinating. Um, so this is this is a big, I'm going to talk about this um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Lilith because Lilith is moving into Cancer this week and I'm finding, you know, there has been so much channeling within for me, but I wrote a big channeling, you know, I channeled a really big post over on Tiani Talks and my Facebook page, which is just Tiani Vidler. Um, so you can go over there and check it out. It's a big, long post with a really awesome image that I sourced from Instagram, um, which of course I credited, um, 
with this Black Moon Lilith moving into Cancer because, again, we're going deep into the waters, okay? And and she moves into Cancer this week for nine months and this is mean Lilith I'm talking about. True Lilith also moves in into Cancer as well, back and forth. But true, true, true Lilith, sorry, I said true Cancer then, I think. True Lilith is erratic, just like her nature. And so working with true Lilith is very important. But when we're looking sort of like an overall transit it's nice to know the the mean which is her main point right which is where she balances out and that's why there's these sort of nine month cycles and very interestingly enough I mean it takes nine months to birth a baby so that's very fascinating as well and being in cancer the moon is ruled by cancer so I find this nine month is going to take us into these divine archetypes of the mother this primal raw intuitive fucking revealing healing family lines healing family trauma healing the the matriarch the mother line stuff and you know we all have some sort of mother story and it's important to understand and acknowledge the mother story. And if you're like me, I've, well, you, I mean, you may or may not be like me, but I've got two, uh, three daughters and you know, the mother story within them, with it, which is in their charts, which shows up in their Lilith as well, but definitely with the moon. I mean, we look to the moon for the mother in the child's chart. Um, and then black moon Lilith is this, you know, this deep ravenous part of ourselves, of our souls, of our psyche. And, you know, I've really been channeling this sort of Leviathan energy, which is this, you know, it's, it's a deep sea monster, but it's for, for, for all purposes, I've connected on that psyche level. Okay. Now, look, I could talk about Lilith for hours. Um, you know, I, again, I have a very strong Lilith, both my true and my mean Lilith are both in the same sign Scorpio in my first house. So for me, the erraticness of, of Lilith and her power plus just her main position in my chart is the same sign. And I think that when it's the same sign, you're really going to like that strengthens the archetype um, of that energy. Whereas if it's in two different signs, you're going to get like two different stories. Okay. Your erraticness is the true and then that the mean, which is still the same. I mean, Lilith is Lilith, right? Um, but there are four Liliths in our chart as well. Um, there's also an asteroid Lilith, which is a physical, which which is an actual asteroid. Whereas Black Moon Lilith is, um, you know, it's a body. It's it's you know, it's it's a shadow on some level. It's not even it's 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 nothing but it's everything. And if you want to dive into Lilith, I mean, really, she was you know she was in the, the garden of Eden before Eden was. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible story of the, the fem, the deep feminine wounds and trauma that we all come in with. And then we've got to unravel. And again, because I'm reading women who run with wolves, it's, it's an incredible Lilith story. I want to just say that it is a really incredible Lilith story to understand where on the spectrum, you know, you still, even, you know, cause me, a healthy Lilith, is not this vengeful, um, you know, because she she was seen as, you know, she ate children and she screeched through the night after she left the Garden of Eden because she didn't she didn't do what she was being asked. Okay, because so this hierarchy of level um, of Lilith, that level of you know, autonomy and sovereignty around trusting your own instincts, getting back to nature, getting back to your raw, primal, feminine ways as opposed to listening to sources outside of yourself. Now, I think on a collective level, it's not there. Like, it's not there. There's there's very few women, I think, who embody Lilith very strongly and who trust that and who still aren't these angry, screeching women, um, you know, so full of anger. And I think that, yeah, there's a, there's a journey to go through. And I think with Black Moon Lilith being in Cancer for the next nine months, considering we've got the South Node in Scorpio, um, you know, so there's going to be, again, with Neptune in Pisces and, you know, uh, it, it, there, there's going to be some, you know, really interesting waters that come up from this. But anyway, I've written, a, I've just written a post as well that you can go and check out. But, you know, as you can see, it's a pretty big passion of mine talking about Lilith. Anyway, the full moon, let's, let's, let's finish off with this full moon, because for me, the, this heavy Saturian Venus cycle that we've just been through um, now, and especially if you're uh, if you have Pluto in Libra, so especially if you're like an 81, 82 baby, especially for this full moon in particular, if you're born in 1981 or 1982, you know, or even 1980 or 1983, like the thing is, is that the the degrees of Pluto are going to be a close to this um, close to this full moon, but also when Venus was in Capricorn conjunct Pluto. 
it would have been square your Pluto in Libra. Okay, if you were a Pluto and Libra generation, again, born sort of early 80s, um, this square would have been taking place. So what I've witnessed and what I've actually experienced is that we have been through a lot of relationship, um, underworld transformation, initiation, transmutation, and we're coming out the other side. Now, I think all relationships have gone through something. Um, especially, you know, for the last couple of years. But like I said, I think last week, we're still in this six, the lovers, relationships, you know, this is still a time of deep relationship stuff. However, I'm really seeing this full moon on the 17th as a closing. It is a closing and it's a closing because A, um, it's a Libra full moon, which is Venus ruled. So it's her full moon. Okay. And where is she now? Well, she's fucking happy as a pig in mud in Pisces, isn't she? She's, ex- she's in her exaltation. So she's in a really happy position. Now, what we've been basking in for three months, uh, I mean, for six months is Venus. And, and even a bit before that, Venus was in Scorpio. Like I said, then Sag, then she moved into Capricorn for a long time, Saturn ruled. Then she moved into Aquarius, Saturn ruled, and she's only just moved into Pisces. Okay. So we've had a very big chunk of time where especially in her retrograde. So again, if you've born those sort of 80, 81, 82, where Pluto was being squared by this Venus retrograde, you know, so, so what I'm saying is Pluto was squaring the Pluto and well, it depends. Pluto's past my Pluto. So it's not, it wasn't so much a Pluto square for me. So just for context, I'm born May, 1981. I have a 22 degree Pluto Libra. Okay. So, and it's retrograde. So at that point there was the retrograde, but if you're born, um, you know, earlier in 81, maybe even late eighties, I'm not, I can't sort of check on my phone because I'm using my phone to record this. Um, um, an 82, you know, an 82, 83, you're going to have a later degree Pluto in Libra. Okay. We're going to 23, 24, 25. Now Venus was, was hitting that point in Capricorn. Okay. When she hit Pluto, Okay, so that means that Venus then squared Pluto. Okay, so while she was hitting Pluto conjunct, she was also squaring Pluto. So what is this? This is the death, the underworld, you know, like uh, Hades, you know, um, abducting Persephone, you know, and taking her and then her becoming the queen of the underworld. So we are rising with our crown now. (laughs) Like that's what we're doing. Okay, now this full moon is the closing of that cycle. It's it's because it's 26 degrees of Libra. So again, if you've got your Pluto, again, later, you know, again, 81, 82, 83, you know, even 84, we're going to have your Pluto at close degrees to this 26 degree point. So there's something that's very potent about this full moon because like I said, Venus is happy now. She's the ruler of this. We're closing this chapter around relationships. Now, this full moon in Libra is squaring Pluto in the sky. Okay, so now I'm moving from our own charts. I was sort of just talking about what's in our own charts. Now I'm moving to what's just in the sky. Okay, so let's just look at the bigger transit here. Venus, um, sorry, Venus, you know, Libra, our, our Venusian full moon, which is the full moon in Libra, um, is square Pluto in the sky and trine Saturn in the sky. So Saturn is karma and is the father and Pluto is the underworld and he's the one who, you know, stole Persephone, right? So again, we've got this edge coming up around transformation, uh, this edge coming up around, but then this in harmony with Saturn. So the trine to Saturn is like, ah, we're finishing karmic contracts. We're able to sort of close this down. So for me, this this full moon is very much around the letting go on a bigger level because, you know, some full moons, well, everyone wants to say, oh, let go on a full moon and, and initiate on a dark moon. It's like, well, it's not always like that. We've got to look at actually what is she doing? What is she actually doing in her cycle? Yes, she's full. So this is the culmination of just her own mini cycle, right? Like this is the culmination of Aries new moon two weeks ago to Libra full moon. Okay, great. There's the mini cycle. For me personally, I see this as a very big closing cycle of what we've just been through in our relationships. And again, if you haven't been taken to hell and back, are you even alive? (laughs) You know, I've done a few message, I've done a few posts, you know, talking about this because relationships have been to the underworld because Venus has been to the underworld and she's been in these saturian places. So we've actually danced with the devil. 
We've had to dance with our own shadows, the shadow in our own relationships. Yeah, yeah, this is what's been going on. Our own shadow, our own shadow in our relationships, our own love desires, wants, needs, habits. Okay, how we love, how we demand love, expectations, things like that. So that's closing. And then now this full moon is going to try and Saturn. So again, there's this other karmic thing. And oh, what has Venus just been doing? Playing in, in Saturn signs for months. Okay. Not playing, fucking feeling heavy and restricted and limited. Yes, grounded, but heavy, limited and restricted. Maybe feeling um, stuck. And then she m- moves into Pisces where she is fully exalted. She can fully, she's, you know, she's the guest of honor. She's at the head of the table here. She's got her crown on. She's like holding her pearls. She's basking in her uh, you know, deliciousness, right? So here she is. And then this full moon comes to close out that cycle that we've just been through and fucking how divine, how beautiful. If you're feeling still super sensitive or you're still grieving or there's still tears, you know, that's normal. A, we're still in this sort of Jupiter Neptune thing. We're still in this heavy water energy. You know, we're still clearing, we're still healing, we're still releasing. Okay. But this Venus ruled full moon is giving us the permission then, right, to let go, is giving us the permission to close the stories, to close the relationship habits that haven't been working. Do you need counseling? Do you need therapy? Do you need single therapy? Do you need to come together? I mean, still to this day, I'm like, people who don't go to a therapist like baffle me. Like, I don't understand how you don't want to uh, see a psychologist to unpack things. Um, and yeah, you don't need to see that person, you know, every single week. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, our psychology is so important. You know, it's so important to unpack and unravel with a third party, with someone else. Um, that objectivity and subjectivity to me is gold. Like it's a literal gold. Um, and it's so deeply rewarding doing that sort of work, in my opinion. But the thing is, is that what we're doing now is, you know, looking at the shadow of our relationships and looking at the shadow of the underworld of the journey that we just went through. What's there, you know, what did you see in yourself that you want to change, you know, because this is the thing, everyone wants to change the other person, but they forget that it's, you know, everything stems from them. And, you know, this closing of a chapter, closing of a cycle, closing of this very long, heavy Venus cycle we've been through it feels like let's just close the book, right? Let's just close the book completely and renew. Now, of course, from full moon to new moon is what's called the waning. You know, the moon is then at her fullest, at her most robust. She's shining light on those dark crevices, okay? So she's shining light for things to be revealed, for things to be healed, for things to be let go of, for things to be purged. And then that two weeks after, she is in her full releasing, her full purging, her full, you know, letting go of phase. So the thing is after that is that where we then have another Venus moon with our new moon in Taurus. And guess what? That's the eclipse. So this is the last lunation for quite a few lunations for, for a month that we can actually sort of really tune in because we don't want to be doing ritual on eclipses because this is, you know, this is Rahu and Ketu, you know, the, the, the dragon's head and the dragon's tail. And the dragon is devouring the sun and the moon. That's why, you know, these are more sort of bigger cycles. So again, you know, we, we want to understand the eclipses, know where they're happening. Are they big eclipses for you? Again, you know, Taurus, Scorpio, like for fixed signs, these is a huge uh, cycle for the next year. Um, and I'll talk much more about that Taurus uh, new moon eclipse soon. But I want to say that it's another Venusian new moon. How interesting. Okay. Which of course always happens, but I'm just saying, isn't that really fascinating after this Venus cycle? You know, and Venus will eventually, not yet, but she'll eventually move into her home sign of Taurus, which will be delightful. So the thing is, is that for me, this full moon is the end, (laughs) you know, a really big end because then we move into eclipse season where we're not going to be working with the moon the way that we are at this point. This Libra full moon, like I said, is squaring Pluto and will be squaring your Pluto if, again, you were born in that early 80s, okay? So it's going to be, uh, not squaring, sorry, it will be conjunct. 
Okay, so again, this is a very Plutonian, what's called a Hades moon. Okay, if Pluto is uh, can if if the moon is conjunct Pluto, or you have a Scorpio moon, or you have a moon making an aspect to Pluto, it's a Hades moon. Okay, because Hades is Lord of the Underworld, who is Pluto. So lots of transformation, lots of deep emotional initiation. So if you're feeling, you know, you want to watch this full moon for its intensity. You know, because it will feel intense and it is going to feel karmic because Saturn's involved as well. But Saturn's involved in a really nice, harmonious way, which is about grounding out a new set of karmic rules, grounding out a new set of karmic values, releasing what's not working in any sort of relationship, especially the one with yourself. And let's move forward in and write a new story. You know, are you ready to rewrite a relationship story? Because this would be a beautiful full moon to release, purge, and then move forward and see what transpires as we move into Taurus season, which again is Venus season. Okay, so it's some yummy, yummy stuff coming up, darlings. Um, so I really hope that you enjoy this full moon on the 17th. So it's on the 17th at 26 degrees of Libra at 4.53 a.m. That's Brisbane, Queensland time. Um, and and like I said, that Pluto in in uh, Libra generation, early 80s to mid 80s, you know, this this full moon will be hitting your Pluto. Okay, it will be hitting your Pluto. So again, it's sort of amplifying that intensity for you to rebirth. Okay, so this is also the relationship rebirth. And that's definitely what I'll call that when I'll do my little write up of this uh, full moon is it's the relationship rebirth. Uh, full moon of the year okay because of the closing of the cycle that we've just been through and um, the renewal that will come from this especially because we then move into Taurus season which is Venus um, and we have the new moon eclipse in Taurus um, so again Venus 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 you know she's she's playing a strong game with us this year but I love that she's exalted here um, with this with this full moon um, this Venusian full moon. And yeah, I've, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, when we have our Taurus uh, new moon eclipse too, Venus, obviously she rules Taurus. So she's the ruler as well, and she'll still be in Pisces. So that's again, really, really delicious. Um, yeah. So I really have loved sharing this as I always love sharing and doing these podcasts. This is, you know, uh, it's so awesome. I'm going to go back to my astrology teachings. I'm doing a big, like, uh, year-long astrology course at the moment just you know it's it's you know most of it of course I know I've been doing it for astrology for a very very long time um, but it's good to have a different astrologer's perspective and um, where are we at oh yeah I'm learning all about the planetary hours which of course I know about but calculating them and why they are the way they are which is really awesome um and yeah I'm going to keep diving into that this afternoon and on this Wednesday which is Mercury's day um and yeah it's 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 a big week and I look forward to seeing you next week um it's Easter long weekend here in oh well, probably everywhere isn't it I don't know yeah, that's just a collective thing isn't it I'm not massively sure around that uh, forgive my stupidity. Easter's just Easter. All it means for me is like a long weekend where I get to spend time with family. Um, so I hope you all have a beautiful long weekend and wherever you are in the world. And thank you so much for being here. Um, so much love. Bye.